turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, sometimes I try to start a little bit in left field to kind of bring you back to the pitcher's mound, to bring you back to home plate, to kind of get perspective of the whole field. I think it's very important that you look at your life, your financial life in particular, as a baseball team. I know too many of you who are like, I want a power hitter. I want a power hitter. Mark McGuire was a power hitter, and he struck out more than he hit home runs. Zeke Seiko was a power hitter, and he struck out more than he hit home runs. You can't just have power hitters. You got to have a shortstop, maybe from Latin America, who's quick, and he could you know, beat out a bunt. You have to have a left fielder who can throw a man out at home. You got to have a third baseman who can hit both with power but also with, with average. I don't know. I'm not a baseball guy. But I know that a baseball team works because you have nine different positions and a bench that's deep enough to be dynamic. As an investor, you need to have the same concept of you can't be set in your ways with one way or the highway. Great examples in the Bay Area. I love real estate. Real estate, real estate, real estate. Only real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate. Well, you're going to hit a home run or you're going to strike out and go bankrupt. I love tech stocks, techie tech, tech, tech stocks, tech, tech, tech stocks, tech stocks, my belly, 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 belly. It's not always going to work for you. Some years there's going to be sideways action while the rest of the market goes up and you're going to cave into temptation. Is there a case for growth over value over the long term? I'm good with that. There's also no shame in value. You know, I love a good chicken piccata meal. But I love a good just uh, vegetarian meal as well. Um, the diversity, if I had to eat the same thing every day, it would get tiring. Buck, 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 buck. Now, I, I think this also plays into the concept of having a bigger picture. Having some income stocks to, to blend with your growth is beautiful. Having some stocks that were around when you're a little kid to go with your Facebook that started 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever. There's no shame in pairing a Visa with a Facebook. There's no shame pairing an Apple um, with a John Deere or a Caterpillar. Again, one is dominant today. One's been dominant for 50 years at what they do. Every time there's a hurricane, Caterpillar gets called, come fix this road. John Deere gets called, come fix this building. Now, part of the concept of building a team, I want to blend with one more thing, 
is be careful who your Buddhas are and who your gurus are. And the only thing I can explain this as is when I was 18 years old, I was very influential and I didn't realize how influential. There's a great punk rock scene in Washington, D.C., which is where my father ended up. My father ended up his military career at the Pentagon. And living just outside of Washington, D.C. as an 18-year-old kid in high school, it, it uh, 17. I know you're saying, you're, you went to college at 17? I know. I was gifted. Um, but there was a band that I would sneak out to and sneak into a bar, even though I missed the cutoff age for Washington, D.C. by seven days. You could drink in bars at 18 if you were born on October 1st. I was born on October 8th. I'm like, no! I didn't just give out my birthday on air, did I? Um, and my mother's maiden name is? So I would sneak out and see a band called Guar. And I didn't like the music. It was too scary for me. These guys dressed up as demons from hell. Heavy metal band formed in Richmond, Virginia, 1984. Composed and operated of a rotating line of musicians. Um, they were known as Slave Pet, following the death of frontman and lead singer David Brocky. And they, they got to tell you like this. I'm going to I, 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 I can't do it. <coughs> for those guys who don't know, for those of you out there who don't know, metal singers have a skill. It's the fact that they can shred their voice and, and still have it the next day. But it was an act. It was guys in costumes. And maybe it was the MTV generation of people have to look pretty. And they're like, well, we don't have to look pretty. Bands like the Eagles wouldn't make it today. Crosby, Stills, and Nash wouldn't make it today because they were not easy on the eyes like Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande. So maybe Guar was saying something along the lines of, you know, Look at the mask. Look at the uniform. Later on in life, I was uh, I went to a couple of shows from the Killers, and they'd come out on stage dressed as spacemen, or they'd come out on stage dressed as cowboys. And I was like, I like this is this is they're giving us a show for with their music. They're giving us a costume show. Guar was the Killers were. Um, I've seen bands come out all in exercise outfits, and it's 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 as an investor, you need to watch out for that. And I know you're saying, oh, I really like Maria Bartiromo. It's a show. Uh, if you've ever read her biography, she's not very smart in between the years. Um, I find everyone on CNBC to be candy or even Fox Business. Um, to me, it's infotainment at the best that like I worked with Melissa Francis. She works at uh, Fox Business, I think. And if she doesn't, don't get mad at me. She used to. But at CNET Radio, I was the tech stock guy. She was the gadget girl. So she'd go to CES and she goes, look at this flip phone. It's so cool. I really like it. It fits nicely in my purse. And like, you know, you can call people on emergencies and it's got a beeper built into it. And her next job is as the oil patch expert for Fox Business. I'm like, what happened? She didn't know a thing about oil when she was working at CNET, and now suddenly she's the queen of oil. If you don't understand that media has got a lot of like characters and costumes, you really should. Um, people like Jim Cramer, I like him, but I hate him. People like Susie Orman, I hate. 
she doesn't have money in the market according to her, and yet she gives advice about the stock market. She goes, 99% of my money is in cash and bonds and insurance products. And you're like, that's not good financial advice. But yet people look at her like, oh, she must be good because she's got a crazy expensive jacket on and she looks like leather, so she's been in the sun in Italy all summer long. Cows look at her and go, she could use some moisturizer. She could use some moisturizer. Um, just be cautious. The segment didn't come together the way I wanted it to. Think of your investments as a baseball team or your approach. On different levels, it takes different winners to pull it off. Different players, different skill sets. But also note that a lot of the people that you look to for advice don't really know what the hell they're talking about. I'll tell you one person who knows way more than, than I do, CFP Chad Burton. But he can't tell a story as well as I can. It's interesting to know. Just try to see that there's a lot of fake reality. I know this is the Matrix. Neo, it can't be true. You must be the leader of truth. It's all an illusion. Kind of is. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing. More. Learn to see the world with your own eyes and put together your team. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Looking forward to the reopening of music venues. A lot of my favorite bands are announcing concerts this week and next week. I miss that. I'm Rob Black, sitting in for Rob Black. I'm Roberto Negro, a dolero, sitting in for Rob Black and your money. You got to be careful. Don't want to be canceled for appropriating someone else's culture. Um, Kim Kardashian is someone I've never, ever, never, ever understood. I'm too, I'm not scientific, but I just don't get it. How one Kardashian, let alone two, can land on Forbes billionaire list, married to a third one, third billionaire, not Kardashian, just ponders my mind. Yesterday, I saw that Caitlyn Jenner may run for governor if uh, uh, Newsom gets recalled. I'm, I'm like, sure, why not? Why not? If Reagan and Schwarzenegger can become governors of California, one was known for being a musclehead and who slapped women on their fannies and made action films, and one was known for being in a TV show with Monkey. Why not get Caitlyn Jenner as governor of California? Do you know what the rest of America would do? Do you know the jokes east of the Rockies would be? Well, I'm never going to California. <laughs> so Kim Kardashian somehow went from $780 million of value to over a billion dollars during the last five months of the pandemic. She grew her cosmetics company, KKW Beauty, and shapewear company, Skims. That accelerated her to 10 figures. Kim Kardashian is famous for hanging out, became famous for hanging out with Paris Hilton after Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie went their own ways. And then Kim Kardashian, did she leak a sex video? Did her mom leak the sex video? Vaulted to fame. 
and 10 years later, she's worth a billion dollars. Why send your kids to Stanford and Berkeley when you can make a sex tape? That's what every father wants to know. Um, okay, maybe not every father. But it's kind of interesting because Kylie Jenner, I don't know my Jenner as well, uh, was the youngest billionaire ever added to Forbes. And they had to take back the title because they said that she had inflated her worth for years. Isn't that funny? Like you can pull that off. How can you inflate your worth? But you can. Forbes says that in the defined print, she's been inflating the size and success of her business for years. So they reestimated her wealth around $900 million. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole Cody thing and Cody being a, a makeup company and Kim Kardashian copying her sister. I, I think we're getting scammed. Skims are basically really form-fitting pantyhose, essentially, for lack of a better word. I know you're saying you don't know what skims are, do you, Rob? They, they, uh, all I can tell you is that we're being sold a load of crap. And we're making billionaires out of the process of other people instead of ourselves. Now, I'm pro Kanye West. I, I get that he's got some mental issues. Um, but at least he's got music to go behind. He's not selling elastic underwear to people to make them look skinnier and to hide their real selves. Or maybe he is. I don't know. But that is a family that I want nothing to do with in any way, shape, or form. CBS saw a big 14% decline in viewers for the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship game. All ratings for the women's title grew. All I can say to that is that's great news. Um, I think the women's play better basketball than men. And again, eh, I think the men have different skills. I think the women have different skills. But if you want to see the game the way it was played when it was invented, it's probably the women's game. A little less power than the men. Better passing than the men. It's just a... I enjoyed watching the women's final. I watched five minutes of the men's final. I watched probably 25 minutes of the women's final. And there was a woman, I'm like, how tall is she? She looks like she's seven foot tall, but she's only 6'4". And I was like, oh, then the other women must be like five foot. What? How interesting. But the NCAA men's basketball championship game averaged 16.9 million viewers on Monday, a 14% decline from the 2019 game. The 2020 contest was canceled, finished, over. You get nothing in 2020. No champion. Gonzaga could have gone undefeated and made a Cinderella season that would made people get more interested. People weren't interested. What's interesting to note about this is ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, to me, represent old TV. And you're seeing a bidding war for products that go on old TV, like NFL games and basketball games. But you're starting to see companies like Amazon saying, we can do that better. So Amazon gets in on the NFL, and I think Amazon's going to sell tickets. I think they're going to sell jerseys. I think they're going to deliver tickets to your house or your phone, and they're going to deliver jerseys to your home. And ABC, NBC, CBS can't really do that fulfillment. So I think sports is about to go through a wild bastardization. I didn't play Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. But there was something known as a bastard sword that I heard about. I'm like, what's a bastard sword? Is it part axe, part sword? It's like a liger. Is it part lion, part tiger? I'm fascinated by the combination weapons and animals on the planet. 
what are you going to do today, Napoleon? Anything I want. Um, <laughs> if you don't get the Liger reference, you're missing out on one of the best scenes in history. Um, but CBS had about 19 million viewers for the championship game between Virginia and Texas Tech in 2019. That was a decline from the 2017 game between North Carolina and Gonzaga, which had 22 million. So men have dropped from 22 million to 19 million to 17 million. And I'll be honest with you, I feel as a guy who is typically the demographic for sports, I think the demographic is it tends to be 35 to 54. And I turned on the sharks last night and there's this really good looking woman and she has no knowledge of hockey whatsoever. So I'm looking her up on my phone. I'm like, Oh, she went to university of Alabama and she, Oh, this is her first job ever. Good for her. Good for her. But I see the San Jose sharks. I see media needing younger faces for the people who are 18 to 35. Amy Gutierrez left the San Francisco Giants broadcast booth. Sadly, I think it's a little bit of ageism. She was like a a good-looking 45-year-old woman who knew baseball, and she looked like moms want to look like, and she's... I don't know. I don't want to sound sexist here, but it seems like TV is programming everything now for people under 35. All sports stadiums have super Wi-Fi now for people under 35. Sports is going through a bastardization, and CBS hasn't figured it out yet. I'm not sure some of these sports deals are going to work out for the big old media companies. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I sound like a broken record. It for 10 years, it seems like every couple of weeks I look at stocks. I don't look at them every single day except for when I do media. And I glance at them to share them with you. But it seems like on a regular basis we're hitting all-time highs. Let's bring in the one, the only, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com, fresh off of spring break. Probably has a fresh set of eyeballs. It's been a couple of weeks since you've talked about the markets, Mr. O'Hare. How are you and what are you seeing? Hey, good good morning, Rob. I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, definitely feeling refreshed and uh, trying to uh, get back into the swing of things, if you will. But uh, I think to your point, um, not a lot has changed in terms of the direction of the market since uh, I last spoke to you. Uh, we're sitting here, you know, pretty much at record highs for the for the S&P 500, and uh, you continue to have this, um, uh, you know, abiding faith in the fact that. You know, the Fed's not going to be intervening to interrupt this bull market anytime soon. And, uh, you know, and you still have uh, just continued rotation going on within the market, which is generally an, a sign of a bull market. You have money that, that rotates within it as opposed to rotating fully out of it to, you know, cash or maybe bonds or something of that nature. But, uh, yeah, all in all, still seeing a, a clear bullish bias in the market. Mm. I consider you to be the real deal. Um, huge compliment, Patrick O'Hare. Sometimes I'll turn on CNBC and I'll see someone like Tom Lee 
from Bank of America say, Mark's getting ready to hit rocket fuel. I'm like, I'm worried that he's a celebrity more so than a financial guy. I get that he's a financial guy. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of analysts say, we're about to hit 12 months of crazy growth. I'm paraphrasing. But I'm also seeing just mm-hmm. a very few minorities saying, this is the last hurrah before there's a massive crash. One saying, expect really good things, and one saying, expect really bad things, with the majority saying, expect really good things. How do you take me calling you the not celebrity financial guy versus looking at the celebrity talking head financial guys and the variety mm-hmm. of outlooks out there? It's a weird question, but let's see if you can answer it in some entertaining fashion. <laughs> Well, I do. I do appreciate uh, that. Um, you know, ideally, you and, and my wife share the the view that I am the real deal. So um, we, uh, you know, we. I, I think it's you know it's in, uh, emblematic of what we do at Briefing dot com is that you know we're we provide objective analysis, right? We're not out there trying to you know blow horns and pound on the tables and 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 all of that stuff to you know, push a stock here or there to drive up the market here or there. It's just, you know, kind of just looking at things objectively and and presenting it in a balanced manner that uh, makes very intelligent, self-directed individuals uh, uh, know what they want to do with, with their investment portfolios. So, you know, I think it, is you know, as we just, as we look at this market and, you know, you can, you can see why, talking heads do make the case for, I think Tom Lee recently called it, you know, get ready for a face ripping rally in April. Um, There's a lot of liquidity. There's a lot of cash still on the sidelines. There's low interest rates. Um, There's a lot of, you know, very favorable sounding narratives as it relates to the vaccine momentum to, you know, more businesses opening up, um, more job openings, more people getting hired. You know, there's a lot of that, narrative, uh, and understandably so. Um, And with this market, you know, the adage has always hold true, or or it seems to have held true that you don't, you know, you don't fight the Fed, um, and and that the trend is your friend, you know, you're hearing all of these nice little axioms, but, um, but that really has been the case. There's been nothing that has presented itself to disrupt the bullish narrative. We're talking a little bit on the margin now about the potential for higher corporate tax rates, maybe higher capital gains tax rates down the road. Uh, we obviously are starting to hear a little bit more about inflation and how that could potentially drive up, you know, market rates. Uh, you know, that would, could be a spoiler, but um, but obviously with the market at record highs here, um, there hasn't been a a uh, a massive belief that uh, that the the trend direction is, is ready for a sudden and abrupt change. And and you just have people playing this market because the Fed is allowing them to play the market by not by saying over and over again that they're not going to do anything to interrupt it, really. Um, and, uh, you know, that works up to a point. But I would add one other thing here for, um, you know, I think what we saw recently with Archegos and the, you know, the mass liquidation of that um, uh, family office's positions is, is symptomatic of what happens when you have interest rates so low for so long, right? That's just one incident. And I think ultimately, I think to what you were driving at, Rob, there are going to be problems down the road. It's just inevitable when you have interest rates this low for that long because there's there's going to be a misallocation of capital and, and risk-taking is going to be taken to the extreme. And, 
And, and when that trend interrupter presents itself, um, you know, momentum cuts hard the other way as well. And I think investors should be at least cognizant of that. But, you know, at the moment, you haven't seen that trend disruptor yet. And so there's still an abiding belief that this market has room to go higher. Because you brought up a wife that supports you. I'm going to bring up a wife story. Anytime she cooks, I go, it's inevitable. And she goes, stop being Mike Tyson trying to say the word inedible. Um, okay, <laughs> joke fell flat, but that's okay. Um, back to your page one column. Um, you talk a little bit about Jamie Dimon, where he says it's tough to price in debt and how it's going to affect the economy um, or how to justify U.S. debt. A lot of listeners and viewers, a lot of people in the stock market were whistling past the debt graveyard, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Should we go with the flow and just ignore it? What's your opinion, not Jamie Dimon's per se? Well, this is this has been one of the most um, mystifying aspects of, of this recovery rally, right? You know, you, you're hearing just what I talked about. There's so many good things to focus on, and there's now you have all these these grand forecasts for you know six, seven, eight percent GDP growth, and you have the ten-year yield at one point six five percent, right? It just you know, it just doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. And especially if you're going to, you know, see inflation, you know, pick up here. Um, and as Mr. Diamond has, you know, at least observed, you know, he thinks that it's, you know, there's at least a possibility that the, the temporary increase in inflation that the Fed expects to see may not be temporary, right? And if that proves to be the case, then there's going to be a serious adjustment, or there most likely should be anyway, at the long end of the curve. And uh, and I think that's really an important component here for, for your listeners and for everybody that, um, you know, what the Fed thinks about inflation is, is, is one thing. It's important. But the most important thing is what the market thinks about inflation and where the market takes interest rates because of what it thinks about inflation. And that can create a whole lot of, uh, uh, I guess, sticky issues for the Fed to deal with if the market starts thinking differently than the Fed does, and a lot sooner than the Fed does. Where should we take it from here? You've got about two and a half minutes to espouse any idea that you want. You can talk basketball, you can talk investing, you can talk Federal Reserve, balls in your court. Well, you know, we're we're coming up to yet another earnings season. Um, you know, it feels like the fourth quarter reporting season just ended. <laughs> that one tends to be longer than, than the other ones, though, because you get fiscal year-end reporting as well. But, um, you know, this first quarter earnings reporting season should be phenomenal. Um, You've seen, you know, according to facts that we're looking at about 24% year-over-year growth, um, which is terrific. Uh, And one of the interesting things you've seen in the first quarter here is is earnings estimates have actually gone higher. Uh, They haven't come down as they typically do because, you know, analysts tend to be more optimistic. And as the quarter goes on, they get more information, and then they usually cut back on their optimistic estimates. But in this case, it's looking as if, you know, they were just still underestimating, you know, what companies are expected to do. And so we've seen the um, EPS uh, consensus estimate come up by about 6%, I believe, according to FactSet, which is, uh, I think, the strongest ever on record. But uh, but that compares to a, you know, a typical quarter where you see the, the EPS estimate come down by about 4% or so. Um, so what that suggests is that the market's expectations for earnings are going to be quite high uh, going into the first quarter. And, and I don't think there's going to be any um, 
allowance for cautious-minded commentary, um, if you will, uh, because there are so many things that this market is concentrating on in terms of a positive recovery light. You know, those companies that come out and try to sound conservative about, you know, what their uh, earnings prospects are, are probably going to get hammered pretty good, I would think, because uh, it's a market price for really nothing but good news at this point. And, uh, and I think you're going to get a lot of it in the first quarter, but the key thing will be, uh, will be the guidance. Sounds good. Thank you for your help today. Thanks for going with the flow with that segment. You always do. I'm glad you had a good spring break. Congrats that you've got a healthy family and hopefully you're socking away some wealth because I think down the road we're going to have to look at that debt issue, but not for now. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. I've used briefing.com for 20 plus years. I have to check the records, but I've been talking to Patrick O'Hare for probably somewhere between 18 and 21 years on a regular basis. Sadly, when I went to Chicago, he was out of Chicago, and I've only been to Chicago once in the last 20 years, but I cannot wait to meet him and his wife. Um, and I'm glad that they had a good spring break. When you make friends in this industry and you hold on to them, they're worth a lot of money. Um, I cherish it. I've got a big smile on my face right now. I did my Mike Tyson joke. Anytime something doesn't taste good, I go, it's inevitable. This tastes inevitable. I love Mike Tyson. And any documentary that has Mike Tyson in it, I'm in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. You can find briefing at briefing.com. I highly recommend it as a source of information, both on a domestic and international level. That's not biased. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. A long weekend, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Spend some time with my boys and my pup. Um, I'm going to ask that the station replace some of my 6 o'clock hour. In my 7 and 8 o'clock hour, so it'll say new focus on wealth with Rob Black. But it's really Rob Black and your money. But it's really new focus on wealth with Rob Black. But it's a different show. Um, it's very strategic oriented. This morning, for instance, I talked for an hour about preventative maintenance and how I go to therapy on a regular basis because I find marriage to be very, very difficult. I'm not very good at it. I've made massive mistakes. But by going to therapy... I think it keeps us together. Um, I call that preventative maintenance. Divorces are expensive. Um, I know not everyone can afford therapy. I get 20 sessions a year with my HMO, PPO. I highly suggest you, if you have benefits, use them. Um, if you need them, damn, I guess don't waste the system, but you hear what I'm trying to pick, put down. But preventative maintenance is a big gear theory. Um, I once had a car that I didn't change the oil off and on, it blew up. Guess what? I lost car. Probably about $4,000 too soon because I wouldn't change the oil, which would cost me about $10 to do it myself. I used to change oil myself. $10 to change it yourself, $100 if you go to Jiffy Boom. Preventative maintenance goes a long way. Um, marriages cost a lot. I eloped. Divorces cost a lot. When I did it, I did it through a, a mediator. One in three COVID survivors suffers neurological or mental disorders. 
COVID-19 survivors have suffered a neurological or psychiatric disorder within six months of infection from the virus. One in three. So this thing is is nastier than ignoring it. Ignorance is bliss, but don't 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 be that person. Um, I got my COVID shot on Sunday, Easter, and I immediately went out and gave a thousand dollars to poor nations to get vaccinations because I felt guilty. I live in the land of milk and honey, a land of plenty. Um, I'm going to have a plan later in life to give away more money and more money and more money and more money. Um, but I get that I live in the land of milk and honey. Americans don't have a, a very high net worth. If you're under the age of 35, your average net worth is $76,300. If you're between 35 and 44, it's 436000 Then it jumps up to 833000 This is the average net worth. If you're between 55 and 64, it's 1.1 million. If you're between 65 and 74, your average net worth is 1.2 million. And then at 75 plus, it starts to go down to 977,000. But that's average. The median is much lower. The median for someone 55 to 64, instead of being at 1.1, the average where high earners skew it higher, the median is 212,000. From 65 to 74, the average is 1.2 million, but the median is 266,000. If you don't know the difference between the average and the median, high school failed you. I don't even know what to say about that. Rachel Bilson was once married to Hayden Christensen, and they have a co-parenting relationship. And he was the worst Star Wars character of all time. He was the teenage Darth Vader in between the little boy who was a good person and the evil father who was basically an amalgamation of what society does to people. It turns us into machines. We would go from being good people into horrible people. That's my, that's my rundown on Star Wars. I, I don't really care about Hayden being married to Rachel Bills and co-parenting. I just had a big question this morning that I still need to answer. Could you be married to one of the worst performances of all time? Where he's like, Darth Vader, don't go evil. He's like, Cha, I won't go evil. I have a latte. You're like, that's not what Darth Vader would say. I need a break. <laughs> Mortgage rates are now sitting at 3.36%, the 30-year fixed rate. Someone emailed me last week and said, do you think rates are going to go lower? And the answer is no. I, I still look at 3.3%, even though it's not 2.9%, as pretty damn good, PDG. I don't have to have the lowest rate ever. I just want to play the game. Can I afford a mortgage at 3.3%? No, no. What can I afford? What's my payment? I can afford $3,000 a month, $4,000 a month, $3,500 a month, $2,500 a month. What's the number? And then I start working about where the rates are. But I, I, in 10 years from now, I think 3.3% is going to look cheap. Kanye West, Tyler Perry, amongst Forbes Billionaires Club. Congratulations. Um, there's something called Aristocat. Aristocat. <laughs> Aristocrat. We're the Aristocats. We're at New Disney film. The Aristocrats. Fast-growing dividend payout companies. I'm always fascinated by that. Some of the companies are more turtles than hares. 
AT&T has got a 6.8% yield, which makes it very popular with cash investors. It's grown its payout at a 2% annual clip from 2015 through 2020. But there's some that are faster growing. ABV, ticker symbol ABBV. Lowe's, L-O-W. S&P Global Index, SPGI. The Illinois Tool Works, ITW. Stocks differ like gold and clay. That to divide is not to take away. Ah, what's that even mean? All I want you to know is don't fall in love with one versus the other. Hey, I wish I had time for this story maybe tomorrow, but airline stocks are getting ready to go into a golden age of travel. We are not going to see anything like this again in our lifetime unless there's another pandemic. It's going to be crowded, and companies like Alaska Airlines, United Airlines, JetBlue, Delta, Southwest American are all going to get a piece of the pie. Out of all those names, I like Alaska Air the most and Southwest. I'm just not a big fan personally of Delta or United of their service, and I can't buy their stock because of it. I'd rather buy a cigarette company than either of those airlines, but I understand buying the airlines. The golden age of flying is upon us. It takes off in about three months. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.